0: Eric, what kind of property do you want to buy? I want a B-class property. I want to sell a finance property. I want something with like 48 units. Dang. That's what we're talking about today. Welcome to the Utah Real Estate Show podcast, the show where two agents and a lender teach real estate best practices by talking through mistakes we've seen and made. So
1: we went in and started renovations. My partners did, right? Um, they uh, started renovations right away essentially treated it as a flip, but we were going to refinance it. But at the time, the refinance, (laughs) that stage presented itself where we just knew we didn't want to keep it.
0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the
2: Utah Real Estate Show. I am Tyler Kazair, Utah Real Estate Agent. Jason Christiansen, Mortgage Lender. Eric Wist, Utah Real Estate Agent. And we have our special guest, Rusty Pollard here. He is our multifamily professional expert. Happy to be here. Yeah.
0: So, we want to start off a little bit and give our audience um, a context of who you are. So, Rusty, you've got a few units, right? right. How, like, how many units do you have, and where are they? I'm right at 100 a, a units across four,
1: four different states, and uh, starting to get some more commercial units as well. So. And, and how long have you been investing in <laughs> multifamily? Uh, in multifamily, probably about eight years. Um, I just had a Google Memory pop up on my photos. Oh
3: yeah, uh, that's cute.
2: When
1: we <laughs> when we got our <laughs> our our uh, first key for our first house while we were here we were going to school ten uh, years oh, ten really? years ago ten
0: years ago yeah, yeah it, it, was, was a, it was a multi
1: uh,
2: were you, month, you living in that yeah, yeah it had a basement apartment okay yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So now nice. did it ramp up for you or was it kind of been a pretty steady incline since ten years ago to your hundred doors now it was it was a slow build for yeah. sure.
1: Um, I initially went to work at a large corporation and my whole plan was to work there for 10 years and then, you know, retire on my portfolio mm. and I lasted a couple of years. <laughs> I, got a little, <laughs> I got a little anxious, but um, yeah, it's certainly grown faster um, since I've kind of gained my footing after I left gotcha. the, the big
3: corporate world. So, so was your design when you bought your first home to invest in real estate? Yes, 100%. From very good. Yeah, You're like, yeah. We're doing this the yeah. you investor way. Even as a kid,
1: I always wanted to, to invest. Really? Yeah. Wow. So my, I moved one time as a kid, and I begged my parents to keep that first house. I was like, that's a good rental. You guys should
3: keep it. I was like, 12, like 12, yes. 12, yeah. been, you were 12. You
1: already had extremely rentals extremely figured out.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have it figured out, right? I still don't have it figured out. But uh, yeah, that's I, I always had my eye on it.
0: That's I mean that's, I was I consider myself sort of a financial nerd um, because I would Real invoice my dad my, <laughs> I would invoice my dad for my allowance. No. Um, but that was just because I'm a because I'm a nerd, right? And so but I rarely find other people who were like kids talking about financial decisions. Yeah. So that actually that resonates with me. It was kinda <laughs> weird, but yeah. Well that I knew I was a weird kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we get along well. Wear that explains a few things for yeah. me. <laughs> Okay, well, okay, so we're talking tonight about multifamily, Mm -hmm. right? And uh, how do you do it? How do you get into it? All that kind of stuff. But before we get started in this whole thing, I want to do a story time with Rusty. Because I heard a story recently about a certain house. I won't identify the city because I don't want to embarrass anyone or anything. (laughs) But a certain house in another state that did not go well. And on the show, we talk about things not going well all the time. And so in this situation, will you tell us a little story about this house that didn't quite go as planned? Yeah, um, it, it took a minute for me to think of
1: one to tell, you know, because in general, I'm pretty conservative in my investing, honestly. Yeah. Probably more so than most Utah investors. Um, but this one kind of stuck out to me just because it, it, was, it gave me a lot of lessons learned. So we... We had started getting it, my partners and I had started getting into multifamily and we were like, let's get a little bit more creative with the structuring. So we brought in um, some private investors to act as the note holders on this wholesale duplex. And one unit was rented out and the other unit was down to the studs. And so this was a... This was a good test for us to learn how to <laughs> <sort of> renovate properties. <laughs> the like, the store so is charming, right? This is in Colorado, so it's a it's a state away, and none of us were local. Um, so we were finding contractors that were going to, to do the project for us, and we, we structured the whole project all with private money. So we had no money out of pocket. Um, it was kind of cool. Um, so going into it, the numbers looked awesome, and we were planning on just kind of doing it, kind of doing a burr type. Mm -hmm. Um, approach and just hanging on to it you know get a couple units that cash flowed with no money down would be a great deal for anyone really and as we got into it you know when you anytime you inherit tenants um, that can be a little hairy (laughs) and so we had a little trouble there Uh, the renovations actually went pretty well we we moved the staircase outside and all that like from inside the house to outside to create an exterior entrance and all that. But um, yeah, the renovations went pretty well. But we just came to find out that the city wasn't... Specifically, that neighborhood wasn't uh, a place we wanted to be in long-term. And so we...
3: Thankfully so had. diplomatic. Yeah. Come on. I know. So how there was drugs. Know? drugs. Okay, let's just
2: get it out. There drugs was everywhere. not uh, it was the. Of yeah.
3: <laughs> there were. Ne- I mean, you w- you would
1: walk down the, s- the sidewalk, and there were needles and syringes everywhere. Oh, like it was man. bad. So was how bad. how long did you own the home before you were like, wait? Um, after after the upstairs was renovated and rented out, probably two months, and we were like, we're done. We we can't. We can't handle well, it. So we found out, you know, talking to some of the, the landlords in the neighborhood that uh, this was just not a great place. And the landlord next to us told us, he's like, hey, I've done my own um, rushes on houses to, to break up drug rings and stuff because the cops wouldn't do anything. They said, we don't have any room in the in jail. So you're on your own. We don't have anything. We'll just take their name down and turn them loose.
3: Wait, so how so, come you didn't walk the street before you bought it? Uh, we rushed into this one,
1: that, <laughs> uh, we, we didn't do enough due diligence. Right. Um, it truly was uh, Hey, let's just try this
3: out. So now when you're buying a house, like, do you walk the neighborhood? Like, what do you do? Cause like I, uh, there, there are probably still, still multiple yeah. properties that I haven't ever
2: set foot on. So what so. is one of the things that you learned? Cause like, I mean, it's not necessarily a, you probably could still make money in that neighborhood, Yeah, but you chose to get out of that. I mean, did you have an exit strategy planned for your rentals? Do you have one more now planned? Thanks for thanks for leading me to that. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> that's that's kind
1: of where where our investing always goes is having multiple exit strategies. So that property, we did have multiple exit strategies. You know, if it didn't work out as as a burr, we still could make money off of a flip kind of situation. And and so we ended up we ended up selling that one, mm-hmm. and it, it worked out great. You know, our investors were stoked and. And uh, you know we made we made money without doing any manual labor, or any, any work. What obviously. was
0: your what was your total holding period? How long did you hold this property? Um, probably four months. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so so month two you're like I'm done. Like, we don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. And month four you're like quick,
2: <laughs> we're gonna sell this thing. Yeah,
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, pretty much. Yeah, wow. it was quick.
1: Wow. So we went in and, and started renovations. My partners did, right? Okay. Um, They uh started renovations right away essentially treated it as a flip but we were going to refinance it but at the time the refinance yeah (laughs) that stage presented itself where we just knew we didn't want to keep it this is going to go the way we thought yeah (laughs) How,
0: how many partners did you have you said most of this was yeah so
1: i've i've done a lot of deals um with a buddy of mine and his wife and obviously my wife's been involved so it's just two couples. We've done really? a lot of projects together. So,
0: so you really had just like the, the two couples that were yeah. the general partners. Yep. Yeah. Were there? And I assume there's limited partners as well. Um, those were just private investors acting as the note holders. On yeah. that one. And how many note holders did you have um, for for this property? That one was just uh, one. Yeah. Just one. Yeah. And he was carrying the whole thing.
1: Yeah. By oh. then we had a, a bit of a history with our investing projects. Okay. We could kind of show that
0: and say. This is what we typically do. We're good at this. Uh, yeah. Here's our, here's our resume. Like yeah. I do this often. Yep. Okay. So so he trusted you enough to be like, okay, yeah, like we'll put this up. He, yeah. he knows what he's doing. Yeah. He's not gonna go buy a drug house. Right. <laughs> hey by the way, I mean, we're, we're just selling this that. right away. We're <laughs> sell this immediately. <laughs> so did you how much did you tell the mill no holder? Or did you did you say anything to the mill no holder?
1: No, I mean we just said, Hey, we've decided to to pivot on this one. And they were good with a quicker payout. So I'll um, run
3: with that. already so what I've learned is be very diplomatic. Like he's <laughs> he's,
0: he's
1: super. Everything's super so close like, to so the best. best, the best.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: You don't have to edit this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, that I leave a lot of the stuff in <laughs> what we don't will make it into the bloopers, which yep. is great. But uh hmm.
1: uh
0: well this is okay, so that actually you talked about. Have multiple lessons learned, right? Obviously one of them was have multiple exit strategies. In this case, there was a strategy for a burr, or strategy for a flip, and strategy for launch and bolt. Just like yep, okay. Um, what are some of the other lessons that you acquired through this diplomatic trial of, <laughs> uh, of your faith? You know, playing around
1: with creative financing is is always, I'm always learning something new, right? You can, mm-hmm. as you know, you can do it a thousand different ways, you know? Yes. Um, this really cemented my, my drive for being extra conservative on my numbers, just in case something does go south. Like I still want to come out and I don't want to crash and burn hard yeah. on on any one project. You know, there might be some that are a little flatter than others, but I'm not a I'm not a speculative investor at all. I just do what I know and
0: feel comfortable with it. And just, just stay go for with it, and it. Just just turn it until yeah. the money starts printing yep. and then I'm happy that's right Okay,
3: that's a good way to do it yeah. so like what do you look for when you're structuring a deal like you say creative financing like what are your main go to's what do you like um as far as creative
1: financing I do a lot of seller financing um I've got actually just refinanced out of one seller finance on an apartment complex a 48 unit and then I've got a 23 unit that's also seller financed um we just got that end of last year. So I love seller finance deals, and it's a great deal for, for most sellers, uh, depending on their situation. You know, mm-hmm. It's been a great win for, for all of those sellers that I've Why? worked with. Um, they can spread out their capital their capital gains burden over multiple years, potentially keeping them. Like I mentioned before the podcast started, um, the, the first property we bought was an old lady that was retiring and she had a couple of rental properties and she was very specific. She knew what she was going to be getting in her retirement money and she wanted to stay below a certain threshold on the tax bracket, right? And so spreading her capital gains over multiple years allowed her to stay under because she had several pieces in play. And so that was a great win for her to not only gain interest income, but to, to spread out her gains. Did she come to you with the seller finance idea right. or did you come to her? I brought it to her. I didn't really know what I was talking about. at time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was my first one. And I was like, would you be okay seller financing? You know, I, I didn't have much money at that point. You know? Interesting. Pretty early okay. on in the game. But okay. yeah, I mean, it worked out really good and learned a lot. We're still friends with her, you know. It's I, like yeah, I am generally, I become friends with the people I buy properties from. because you're game. a nice person. I just, I just love love why people. I- yeah. I yeah. People.
2: Well, he's also, I'm, um, I think you're looking at the bigger picture of, well, if I'm nice to you, you might refer me back to other friends. Other investors are usually yep. friends with other investors yeah. so really, and they might be old nice like and sell their share. portfolios off.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and another thing that we talked about before the podcast started is, uh, you know, I establish a relationship with a seller and then either through them or through one of their contacts or through one of the agents that I meet in the process, I usually get more deals out of that. So the commercial deal that I'm under contract on right now is the person that helped us through that first transaction with that lady, oh, okay. that retired lady, who brought me an eight plex, who now is helping me with this commercial building. Sure. And I mean, that's the same thing. Um, a lady, I cool. bought her sevenplex two years ago. I'm buying her 10 plex this year.
0: Um, just because I keep that relationship going. So it's a <laughs> yeah, so good repeat business. Yeah. Out of that. Yeah. yeah, it's good. You you mentioned earlier on that you are a conservative investor, and conservative can be defined a lot of different ways. So <laughs> I just I kind of want to like pressure you a little bit to like tell me like what's a conservative like? I need to have a twenty percent return on my like <laughs> what is conservative and how do you how do you calculate that?
1: That's that's a good question. Um, being conservative in my mind, certainly among Utah investors, is I am a cash flow investor. And so that's why I don't have many projects here, yeah. is because there's opportunity for for better cash flow elsewhere. Right. Um, so I primarily look at is is this cash flow positive day one, and then what is the potential? And I obviously bet the potential. Yeah. Um, so what that's the mean like the value add that you're going to possibly build into it, or forced depreciation through increased rents, yeah. right? Like doing some renovations and increasing rents or whatever. That looks yeah. like, yeah. Is there, is there any kind of deferred maintenance or is there any kind of deficiency in the management of the property? So I always look for those opportunities. I'm a value-add guy, right? Okay. In general. Um, yeah, so that's, that's kind cool. of where I come from on the creative side is I want to make sure that the, the property takes care of itself um, so I don't have to continually have to keep feeding the beast until it turns around at year five or something like what yeah. some people do. So, well, it's I, just like, not I think that
0: keeps your sanity because yeah. I've, I've seen see guys that, that are doing that, their hair is all white and mostly pulled out and their eyes are always bloodshot and they're drinking <laughs> white, white. and yeah. pulled out I was I seeing up. a lot of salt and <laughs> pepper I wasn't going to point to my <laughs> Don't don't read into that but uh, I have done some crazy harried things, I'm not above admitting that um, and I did have to feed the beast for a long time on some of my deals so um, that's good wisdom. That's good wisdom, viewers at home. So we talked about different uh, exit strategies, we talked about um, how to kind of evaluate it. Well what more, what more evaluations do you put into it? Obviously you're looking for an opportunity to add value. You're looking for numbers to so be able to make, make sense of those numbers okay. Mm-hmm. Are you the financial Guy in your investing crew, or are you the, the I can dreaming guy. Yeah, I can do it. It's not my favorite thing to do. I'll
1: will say uh, it. I like to have someone else do that because it takes me a lot longer. Um, yeah. I like to kind of dream up strategies and phases and you know the the plan. Yes, and I like to make sure the numbers work, but that's not my favorite thing. Okay. Um, so yeah, if like with this commercial deal, um, I'm the only one that's working on that project. And so it takes me a while <laughs> to get through the financial analysis because I don't really love, love doing it uh, these days. So
2: yeah. Do I'm, you have like a, a goal of where you want to be? What is it, I mean, is it a, do you want like a cer- certain amount of doors? Do you just want to just keep g- acquiring as things come along? Are you trying to get to a certain point like on a cash flow type thing per month or is it Just you're at a good spot right now. That as things come up, you'll look at them and evaluate them, or you Mm -hmm. constantly hunting to say, you know, hey, I want to have, you know, 500 doors, cash flowing, x amount of average. Like, do you have any of that stuff? Or I was I was pretty specific with that a couple years ago. Uh Um, I
1: when he was 12. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I broke out. Um, I quit my last job like two and a half years ago. So that was my last one, and I was managing an investment portfolio here on the Wasai Front uh, for a group of investors. Uh, so I was pretty specific about what I needed to get to, because I wasn't making what I needed to make at that point, you know, with my properties. With that being said, I mean, I'm, I'm full full steam ahead on my startup right now, and so I've got a startup business. Which is what? So I, my, my company helps um, small businesses qualify for, and file for, um, Small business tax credits that are part of the pandemic stimulus bills. What's it called? I'm ERC specialists. <laughs> yeah. You're ERC specialists. Yeah. like Yeah. It's good <laughs> stuff. Yeah. So we're, we're just helping small businesses. So that's that's taken all of my bandwidth right now. So real estate's kind of become a, a side gig, and anything that I make out of my business
3: um, goes back into mm-hmm. real estate. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, like, we're looking into multifamily. The, our investment group here, but like, what are the things that really catch your eye? Like for us, or for people watching at home, like what are the things that are like, ooh, I like that, I like that, I like that, I don't like that.
2: As far just as just for you, specific multifamily property, <laughs> <us>, uh, <laughs> or do you, or so you you have a business partner or multiple with your wives and stuff like that. Yeah. Do all of you guys see eye to eye? I'm not a plan. No. Wait, no. I bet your business partners. i didn't even catch
0: that. We are in Utah. Russell <laughs> has one, one go. Okay.
2: <laughs> okay. No, do do all four of you see eye to eye on every investment? Um. So we actually
1: split ways the end of 2020. Okay. My partners and I. They they kind of went the Airbnb route. Um, and they do high-end themed Airbnbs, which is
0: actually kind of cool. You guys probably like talking to them. Um, it's funny. I literally am under contract on a property right now to do a high-end no themed Airbnb in Provo. Oh, sweet!
1: Yeah, all their stuff's down in Florida and stuff. Uh, Orlando's actually high-end. Yours is yeah. down by a river.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so we're, to experience. we're gonna we're gonna lagoon theme it. <laughs> yeah, it's a theme from
3: here. <laughs> yeah they.
1: I mean, it was a great breakup, right? They were just kind of going that way. I wanted to stay multifamily and commercial, and so we just kind of parted ways. So most of my stuff now, um, I'll, I have some some bigger commercial and multifamily partners that I'll do some projects with,
3: and I just do some projects on my own, yeah. So. What do you look for? What excites you? What turns you off? <sighs> um,
1: primarily i'm a value add investor right so i generally look for b2c
3: type assets and um, opportunities can we need for improvement. to define any of this Does everybody know b2c type assets i mean if you're yeah i can i can talk d- about that jump into that a little bit okay uh, yeah so an a asset would would typically be newer
1: and operating optimally um, in my eyes it's probably 10 15 years okay. So it needs no renovation,
3: turnkey, and you go... Yeah, pretty,
1: like, prime, prime area, um, great asset, like, no major deferred maintenance or renovations needed.
3: Which, a lot of people coming into investing, that's what they want to go for. Like, they're like, oh, I want a new property, so I don't have maintenance. Mm-hmm. But the more seasoned investors I talk to, well, jump right
2: into the seats. One of the big, I think, things to think of is, I, I know I see, even within our own group that we talked about, is people look at what the value add could be in a C group property, mm-hmm. but they only look at A's, and then they compare and go, "Well, I'm not getting the cash flow." Mm-hmm. Well, it's because you're looking at this one, <laughs> not at this one, or you're looking at a C, going, "Look at all this cash flow," but look, oh man, I got to do,
3: do all these repairs. I got to, yeah, that. I got to find
2: this, I got to right. find that, and and I think that's a big thing of understanding. If you're looking at an A, you're, this is the type of dollars you're. Potentially going to be there. You just have less stress of maybe doing moving staircases to outside of the buildings and all sorts of stuff. That's more of a C class of where you're doing some heavily revamping to make it more um, profitable. And yeah. that you're doing that, so and it it. what do you consider a B? So <sighs> B would still be in like a good location,
1: um, probably a good area, but you know it's older, right? Eighties. Um into the nineties, well, yeah, I would say probably eighties, nineties, early two thousands, you know. And then C would C can still be in a decent area, but I feel like there's there's a mix, right? Like asset age and and condition and location. because um, you can have an A asset and a C location, right? Mm-hmm. And and vice versa. So, so you gun for the C's. I, I look for the ugly properties in decent areas. So, okay. kind, kind of my kind of my approach is if we had to, like, would my would my family be able to live here without my wife killing me? You know, <laughs> like, could my could my wife walk from the car to the house and, and be safe? You know, okay. feel
3: feel safe. So, safe part of town. Yeah, little rundown property. Yep. That's your sweet yeah, spot, to to. and then you go in and renovate a little bit, or you're just like, slum slumlord. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't do
1: that across the board. Um, across across all of my properties, I'm always improving it. So um, there's there's not one that I've ever just left. Okay, yeah, left it as. So, yeah. so yeah.
3: do all you stuff, right? do you have a, a basic price point we like to get in, and, and a percentage of that that you're okay doing repairs or like. What's your window there? Um, it all comes down to the numbers,
1: right? So I typically shoot for double-digit cash-on-cash returns okay. uh, depending on the structure of the deal. So um, that's that's kind of my basic go-to. Is like, okay, uh, day one, depending on how much money I'm putting into it, is it cash flow positive? And then post-renovations, post-rent increases, all of that, what does that picture look like? And if that's hitting my double-digit, rate right, increases at that point. Being conservative as I am, that's that's when I get excited about
3: it. And I'm, I'm just I'm just going really dumb because I don't understand anything you're talking about. So you're saying double digit cash on cash return. Yeah. What is that? So I like to hit,
1: you know, at a minimum 10 or 12% cash on cash, which is based on how much money I put into a deal and how much money am I getting back. So you put yeah. uh,
3: 100,000 into a deal. Mm-hmm. That's you not the loan amount. Yeah, that's out of pocket. So down payment, closing costs, renovations, renovations, whatever. Yeah. So you put in a hundred grand. How much do you need back? 10, 10, or 10, 10 or twelve grand. Within the first year. A year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're talking years. Yep. You want ten percent or more? Yep. And that's where you consider it a good deal. If I'm putting in a hundred grand, I need ten grand back the first year. Yeah, and and truly, like all of my numbers, including rent. Um,
1: the rent bumps that I think I can get, mm-hmm. I'm very concerned. I'm on the low end of those always. Um, you know, mortgage rates. I'm always on the high end of those, which is a
3: good thing, especially right now. Yeah, so,
1: uh, rates are getting crazy.
3: There's people that were pre-approved two months ago that are new construction that are backing out. Like a a deal came to me today. Buyers are backing out. People were looking. It's gonna it's new construction, but now it's gonna be done in two months instead of nine. Can we move on this? Like, I got another one of my loan officers is like, hey, how do I make this work? They were moving from conventional to FHA so they can take, the, take the higher ratios. And now the borrower's like, I can't afford this. I don't want to afford this. I know I can get the loan, but I'm out. So, yeah, wow. it happens. <coughs>
1: yeah, I, I was talking to one of my employees today actually. He's, he's building a house down in Payson. And when he was supposed to lock, it was oh, like street. three weeks ago, uh, it was like three quarters of a percent lower. And sometimes yeah. payment's a couple hundred bucks more. And everyone buys at the higher end, right? That's just kind of a general trend of what they can afford. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's
2: pretty tight. People, pretty well, tight I, yeah. I, I think what you touched on, like what we just touched on is the numbers, running the numbers and making sure the numbers work and verifying the numbers work. Yeah. So we have a little bit of a story time Okay, because <laughs> <coughs> yes, <please do. laughs> we uh, our last episode, we were under contract on an apartment complex. Are we, we under contract now? No. Yeah. As, well, As of uh, a few hours ago, actually. Yeah. Uh, well, we, had, we had that phone call. <laughs> well, we, you're, you're we, we had that. So, But this, I think, is a big crucial thing because we had this uh, tenplex that was marketed to us at these numbers. And they had the expenses. It had the rents. It had... You know all all the taxes, every, everything was there. Even a potential of what the rents could be increased, and everything looked great. So we go under contract with them, uh, and then we start requesting financials. and We start getting more and more and more, and then <laughs> we kept getting more and more and more expenses. Well, we're looking at when we we literally laid them out and went, "This can't be right." We have to be missing something here because what we were told and what is being shown here. Literally do not add up. Like it was almost like it was a different property. Um and and we said, okay, we're tired of trying to guess on like what is going on because it was being advertised at a 6-7 cap, and when you run the numbers, it was 1.1. And and we're and, and Tyler and I are sitting there looking at it going, we're missing something. We have to be missing something. So we, We
0: we, yeah,
2: like maybe that's where the extra 7% cap came from. I don't know. But so we get on a phone call with uh, the agent and the property manager of the company, uh, of, of the unit. And we said, Hey, look, you've sent us all this stuff. The last five years of all the financials, these are not making sense. You advertise this, are these expenses correct? Like, like, is this really what is being there? And his answer was, yep, those are the expenses. That's what they are every year. We went, you have any more info on that? And he's like, nope, that's what it costs to run it. We went, okay, well, let's move on to the rents. What is going on with these rents? Because these numbers aren't adding up. You have somebody who's been in there that's half the price of everything else. Why are they not kicked out yet when they're paying $400 when the rent should be $800? Why are they still there? Why are these like, well, that's just what the rents are. Why are you employed as a property manager? Like, <laughs> like this yes. phone call was like there to save this deal. And at the and end of it, how long was this s- six minutes? Yes. like, wow. it, it, it was, it was there. Like it was, and then we, Tyler and I, this was on a zoom call and we looked at each other on the cameras and went, so we'll have over a cancellation over to you here in, in a little <laughs> bit. And they went, okay yeah <laughs> click and, and and we called each other back again and went i'm so glad we ran these numbers because and yes. requested these numbers and did our due diligence and then going even if we lowered the price because this is where it started we started having the conversation if we dropped the price by half you no,
1: know, it still didn't
2: make sense because of it moved it to like a 2.7 cap rate <laughs> like That's it, crazy, it it just didn't make sense and then we started going okay well kind of like what you said okay if we value add this and we raise rents to this and we move this to here and then we change this over here we could make it work but literally the stars would have to be aligned and that right there we went that's not worth it for us we're not going to gamble this on this for this we're done and we walked away and being okay to walk away we're not mad I mean we're bummed, but we're already looking at two other properties. Like, move on and find another deal that makes sense. Because I think those deals that you want so bad that you do, you will not like those yeah. deals. So I, I, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing I heard from Rusty from you tonight is looking at those numbers, having that exit strategy plan in for multiple different ways of how could this deal work and not. Like you just said, you plan for the highest interest rates, the lowest on the rents. Yeah, you always hope for the opposite and it might yeah. work out, mm-hmm. but that's more of like, hey, that's now my Hawaii money. Let's that's We're right. good now, <laughs> not just to make the deal work. So one more question. How do you bring
3: up seller financing with the sellers? How do you sell that? Uh, I will say it's a
1: lot easier on the multifamily side and, and commercial, right? Mm-hmm. Most of those guys are, are more experienced and more savvy they understand why it would benefit them so you don't have to sell it quite as hard as a residential house yeah. um and most of them have done at a time or two truly yeah. uh, so i'm pretty upfront pretty frank about it it's just like hey are, do you have any interest in doing a seller finance kind of deal
2: so on on that real quick like like jason was saying what does a seller finance deal look like on a larger multi-family one like if you wouldn't mind sharing one that you've kind of done or yeah or one that you I mean that you liked or worked out good
1: yeah so I've got a I've got a 48 unit down in Alabama and that one was actually really good we bought that I think back in 2019 very first part and that was actually a a deal that I found through a local contact here at Aria Um, and it was just I think it was just too hairy for him, honestly. Like none of the local investors who owned all of the apartment buildings in the area wanted to keep that building and so no one took it and so they went with an out of town investor and he said, no, this is too heavy for us. So my buddy and I took it on and uh, yeah, so that that was actually a pretty good deal. We walked into most of the seller financing stuff already being set up for us through that initial investor that I got it through. We paid him a $100,000 assignment fee and we took over most of that, that seller finance structure that he had already set up. So we got a, we got a five-year note at 2.1%. Wow. And um, I think we came to the table with 500,000 down for a 48-unit apartment complex. We, we put in a million dollars in renovations within the first three months um, and so that was quite a project, and I was on the other side of the earth at that time. We were traveling, um, and so we were managing that project remote. But I mean, that seller finance deal worked out really well. You know, obviously it was almost uh, you know very very little interest we were paying on that note for the first three and a half years, and we just refinanced out of that into long term, any, any debt. So
0: So how long did you carry, how long did the seller carry the note for
1: you? About three and a half half years. years. Yeah, so we got into um, that, that, like I said, the long-term cheap, relatively cheap debt. We were at uh, a 30-year note with Fannie Mae at 4%. Why did you ditch the two if you had two years left? uh, We saw what was coming as far as the rates and stuff and so we got we out we gotta get good. out now yeah I mean, I'd rather take a four two years out. early than a six yeah, two years late. that's exactly it yeah. I mean we missed out on some three and a half rates you know and we just didn't move quite fast enough but it was a cash out so we got um, we got about a million dollars back for our investors and so our investors in that deal only have about five hundred thousand in and they're still cash flowing great and, and uh, yeah. yeah yeah everything's going really mm-hmm. well with that that's been that was a
2: really fun one us, learned a lot. <laughs> that was a great deal. Well, I, I I think for me the biggest thing I got out of that was right at the very beginning of, there was a lot of people who didn't like this deal and it just needed somebody with fresh eyes to look at it just because 10 people said no, does not mean it's a bad deal. Right. You looked at it and went, we can do this, this and this and structure it this way and it is a good deal. Right. And now you just got the deal because all these people said, uh, no, you're, don't do that. Well, you just look at it differently yeah. and you can make it happen. Yep. And that's what I liked about it is, I think that creative strategy, the creative financing structuring, learning how to do that, it was a little bit more complicated, a little bit more trying to figure out, but it ended up working out great. So, what did we learn?
0: Well, my key takeaway is that you gotta do some due diligence um, as you go into these properties. Um, you might have the best the best dreams of how this property is going to work
3: out, but until you do your due diligence, you don't know it's a drug house. Yeah. Check the sellers to see if they'll finance it. Like, you could get an amazing deal. I mean, 2%,
2: that's nuts. It was that's awesome. awesome. That's great stuff, so just ask. Remember that just because somebody else thinks it's a bad deal doesn't mean it is a bad deal. You may just have to look at it slightly differently. Uh, something that really stood out to me was
1: You know being willing to look at more than one deal right like not just trying to force the deal there's a lot of investors you know syndicators for large multifamily they're looking at 100 deals for every deal that they actually take on yeah Um, so be willing to you know stick to your core fundamentals as far as your buying criteria and be conservative in your numbers and be be willing to look at more deals i want
2: to add to mine okay for everybody that gets discouraged out of this, okay, you at the very beginning of this episode, you just had a Google reminder a photo reminder. Mm. You bought your first multifamily ten years ago, and you're at a hundred doors ten years later. That's, That's pretty awesome. Awesome, That's awesome to sit there really and think. Good. So you guys can do, and you didn't finance every single one of those yourselves. Yourself. There's partners involved. There's different things. Looking at it creative differently. He went from one door. To hundred doors in ten years, and is also doing a startup. Hmm.
0: Yes, yeah, so he's not busy
3: at all. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
2: So, buddy, like you can do it. Okay, wait, Rusty. What are the numbers again? One wife, one hundred doors. <laughs> yes. Like, comment, subscribe. Tell us how many doors you have. More wives. <laughs> more wives.
0: Go, more wives you Want to get in touch with us? Shoot us a text at 801 228 7687. Make sure you mention the show. You can email us at the Utah Real Estate Show at gmail.com. You can watch this show on YouTube and you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you learned something or if you really love this show, give us a like on YouTube and drop a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The Utah Real Estate Show is a production of Hive Collective at Presidio Real Estate with support from Security Home Mortgage. The NMLS number for Security Home Mortgage is 178787. The NMLS number for Jason Christiansen is 240472. Equal Housing Lender. Not only is this not legal or investment advice, but you should definitely talk to a pro before you make any real estate decision. Every situation is different and should be considered in context. Copyright Jason Christiansen, Eric Wist, and Tyler. Tyler all rights Rites Reserve. Talk to you next week. When we start talking that way, which I do sometimes inexplicably, um, we get a little soft on mic, but anyway, okay, we're well, going to... I'm the one who doesn't look at the camera. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <girl>. Okay. <laughs> I'll thank it. Come on. <laughs> we, we have a fun dynamic on our show. That's okay. what we're talking about today. I take it. I pointed. That's <laughs> why I Tyler? <did. laughs> <laughs> this is why I have to do the I analysis. thought
3: you made up the rule. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I did. I can't... Short, short sentence. <laughs> let's do that again. So that was okay. good. That was really good. Except for Tyler. Mm-hmm. How many wives do you have? <laughs> we,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have no, wives. I just have a yeah. hundred doors. Yeah. One wife and a hundred doors. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's, that's actually not a bad start. So, wait, let's well, see. You. Hold on. I gotta wait till the clump thing the Why is the tile towel towel saw? Towel oh. saw.